following commentary does not necessarily reflect the views of the staff and management of WBCA or the Boston Neighborhood Network. If you would like to express another opinion, you can address your comments to Boston Neighborhood Network, 3025 Washington Street, Boston, Massachusetts, 02119. To arrange a time for your own commentary, you can call WBCA at 617-708-3215 or email radio at bnnmedia.org. O'Connell. Well, we've uh, done several shows in the past about what happens to a, a baby that has been aborted, or a baby girl, a boy that's been aborted. Uh, do they go into a landfill, a dumpster, or do they go into an incineration plant? And, and one way to uh, throttle uh, some abortionists is to uh, stop uh, rubbish haulers, uh, medical waste haulers from uh, transporting uh, dead babies. Uh, today, we're going to take a different look, though, because uh, a major trend in the abortion industry is away from surgical abortions to chemical abortions. And we have with us today a guest, Teresa Marsano, who's an independent researcher and advocate for public awareness who has spent the past several years uncovering many layers of deception and collusion in the development of chemical abortion drugs and the detrimental effects these drugs are causing not only on the unsuspecting women who are coerced into using them, but also the devastating consequences local communities are forced to bear where these drugs are prescribed, dispensed, and to abort babies. Well. Uh, Teresa, welcome, uh, join, uh, Teresa is joining us today to explain how public health and environmental protection are also being aborted in our communities. Well, welcome, Teresa Masano. Thank you, Brendan, and thank you so much for having me and helping yeah. me, yeah. you know, with this public awareness project, Gen 410. Really appreciate it. All right. Uh, first of all, uh, Teresa, what was uh, your intro to the pro-life movement? Well, I'm a cradle Catholic, so I grow up knowing life is precious. It was very clear to me by fifth grade, you know, babies, how they grew. Uh, I have little brothers and sisters, so I knew when a mommy was pregnant that a baby brother or sister would be coming soon and that these lives were to be protected. And uh, abortion, uh, I was about nine years old when we started hearing about it. And it just seemed so illogical to me, but I was quite young and I know that I was protected from the reality of it, mm -hmm. right? Right. Now, uh, the, with this two-pill protocol of uh, bifepristone and misoprostol, um, we have now what uh, the abortion industry calls a medication abortion and which the pro-lifers call a chemical abortion. Could you explain uh, the chemical pill and, and the process? Sure. So I call it Chem 101 because these chemicals were devised 
Uh, they aren't natural medications. They are synthetic, so they're chemicals. And we want to be really clear when we're talking about medication or chemical abortion that we're really clear it's not the morning after pill. It's not emergency contraception. This is intended, devised, and created for a nine-week-old baby, all right? And so they don't work really early in pregnancy. Um, and it's a sequential ingestion of two separate but synergistic drugs, mifepristone and misoprostol. Now, these are, these are chemically separate properties, which when timed and combined, induce the complete expulsion of the contents of a pregnant woman's uterus. That's the scientific medical terms that they used. It was in their application for their drug approvals. Now, FDA originally in 2000 approved this protocol for seven-week-old babies. That's the Food now, and Drug Administration, FDA. Oh, yes. Thank you so much. Yeah. And the abortion industry simply touted it in their advertising as just like a miscarriage. And with a small, uh, barely known uh, pregnancy, it is similar to a miscarriage, for, but for one thing. This is forcefully induced with these drugs. A miscarriage will come naturally and typically is, although it's very painful and hard to deal with, it's not induced, right? Right. So that's part of the problem here. Well, in 2016, FDA, the Federal Drug Administration, increased the usage to 10 weeks, 10-week-old babies. From 7 okay? to 10 weeks? Right. Mm -hmm. Now, at that time, the abortion industry declared that only 4% were using the protocol under the approved guidelines anyway. So now we don't know what they're doing, but it, in 2016, we all wear these little pins with the baby feet on them, right? And this represents a 10-week-old baby. And th that baby has 10 toes, 10 fingers, and a little beating heart, as we all know from any medical research. Well, that's what was the driving force for me to start looking into this, because actually, I was driving, and I saw a sign on the side of the road in California irrigated with reclaimed water. Reclaimed water in California is very big. We, we have to reuse it because we have so little of it. And it dawned on me then that these little babies were in our irrigation water. The process, they're processed in there. And it just, it got to my heart and I haven't let it go ever since. My son's softball field, same sign, irrigated with reclaimed water. Community vegetable gardens, irrigated with reclaimed water. And with reclaimed water, what goes in the toilet is what comes out in reclaimed water. Well, now, so, well you're saying that uh, number one, number two, uh, and, and paper should be used for the toilet alone, not to, uh, not to put right. Uh, right. And we've babies. seen lots of, lots of campaigns. You, only flush the three P's, right? Paper, mm -hmm. poop, and pee, right? Well, the abortion industry created this covert plan to flush their three P's, the preborn, placentas, and prions, because a 12-week-old baby 
has about a quarter teaspoon of brain matter. And we know the devastation that prions are, can create in any ecosystem. Hmm. When, so that's a brain matter. And if it gets introduced to infectious material, it uh, metastasizes in whatever environments it's in. So another beyond ick factor, right? So why do we get so upset? How did this happen? Right. So that was uh, who, who my mission was to find out who gave them permission. How was that permission granted to flush these babies? And I found out that no one did. They just started doing it anyway. Now, what's the difference between a baby being surgically removed in an abortion facility, 10 weeks old, those babies are contained, collected. The, all of the pregnancy tissues are segregated and disposed of properly. Fetal remains are respectfully disposed, and the medical wastes are properly uh, disposed, separated. And there's a cost uh, with, to that, the medical waste disposal. Oh, there's, there's, a, there's a, a cost. Big cost. Right. In the Colorado case, or excuse me, Indiana, I think it was when they were arguing, the abortion industry was arguing about uh, having to properly dispose of any of their babies. They were putting a, a price tag of $5 per abortion. Okay. So with the chemical abortion, the same size baby, 10 weeks, let's say, is forcefully expelled, but not in the clinic. At a home, hotel, they designed it for, they gave the woman discretion at a place and time that would be convenient for her. Same fetal remains, placenta, other pregnancy tissues, amniotic sac, lots of blood, because in a chemical abortion, it is about six times the amount of blood loss as in a clinic. So the mother is told it's okay to flush everything. Now, no matter what the abortion industry says, this is not okay. The sewer system is not an approved disposal of any medical waste, much less human tissues. Whether it's a child that's recognizable or baby parts or the other tissues that come out, right? And coercing this woman to say, that it's safe to induce her abortion on her own, that's not okay either. Um, when Mary Pendergast, she was the deputy commissioner of FDA when they were tr uh, back in 1994, when Population Council was attempting with Congress to lift the ban that Bush had put in place to keep this drug out of the country. Mary Pendergast uh, testified at Congress and she says, we'll be taking care of the women. They will be staying in the uh, clinic or hospital for four hours to make sure that everything's safe, no rea uh, adverse reactions, and no uterine ruptures, because this second drug can cause a uterine rupture. And she said, it's simply bad medical management for any woman to attempt to terminate a pregnancy medically by herself without very, very careful supervision by a physician. 
So simply just in co coercing these women to choose, let's say, rupture roulette with these drugs is a grave violation of what we call the medical profession's standard of care to do no harm, right? Can I ask you, Mary well, Prendergast, mm -hmm. Mary Prendergast, whom did she work for? Did she work for the abortion industry or did she work for the Food and Drug Administration? She worked for FDA. She was the deputy commissioner, and she was the legal advisor to David Kessler, who was the commissioner at the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this was under which administration? The Bush administration or the Clinton? No, by now, by now we were in the Clinton. Clinton administration. The, the yeah, the yeah, Bush put the ban on it, and then as soon as Clinton got in, he's the one who directed Population Council and FDA to work together in removing the ban and bringing this drug to market mm -hmm. for uh, political favor, I suppose. I think it, you know, we, we can't know what was in their mind, but what we do know is that it's substandard care of women. They're not cared for. This is not safe. But that's another issue. Uh, Alliance Defending Freedom has a case right now on behalf of the Alliance for Hippocratic Medicine, and they have challenged FDA on the recent removal of the safety guards. They are also in Texas, excuse me, at case uh, about the original approval anyway, but uh, we want to uh, kind of leave this case go, and uh, we want to get back now to why you invited me here, which is offloading the medical waste. We know that the abortion industry has offloaded medical care of women, right, by sending them home to abort on their own and deal with their baby. But let's talk about offloading these fetal remains and regulated medical waste into our water resources. You see, they devised this regimen with the pills to chemically expel the aborted baby, and they implemented a protocol to offload the remains and the other medical wastes. Now, the medical profession has what, what's called, what, uh -huh. When you say offload, you mean dispose, don't you? Well, what I mean is, is that to offload means it's my responsibility to do it, but I offload it onto someone else. So their medical care is to abort the baby for the woman, but they haven't done that. Who, They've now given the woman the tool to do it herself okay, so and you, not care for her. Okay, so you're saying the abortion industry is offloading it to the woman herself who's having the abortion. Right. Okay. Right. So now we talk about offloading also the, the proper disposal of regulated medical wastes, which in any industry, hospital, clinic, whatever, they have permits in order to run their businesses. And those permits require that they properly dispose of any regulated waste that they generate. Mm -hmm. by dis right? So by prescribing, dispensing these pills, they are, in fact, generating. They are the generators. This drug is the generator of the ex what's going to be expelled, right? Now, the industry has what's called a universal precaution, and it's across all medical health care practices. And that is, if it can be infectious, 
it is always to be treated as if it is. So you're saying the medical industry as a whole has this uh, rule. It's called the, the universal precaution okay. of medical waste. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So the abortion industry is violating their own regulated medical waste permit by not handling the medical wastes that they are generating, right? Mm -hmm. Now, EPA protections, this is, I call it EPA 101, quote, the improper disposal of biomedical wastes can have both direct and indirect health consequences exposing entire communities and ecosystems to potentially infectious pathogens. Mm -hmm. So you see, we have these rules and regulations in place. And for 24 years, they've been violating it. And they know it because their legal advocates wrote an open letter six months before approval, cautioning them that they would have to abide by fetal remains disposal laws and ergo also the medical wastes. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, mm -hmm. so that's kind of the, the beginning. So I call that, you know, for 24 years, they've been doing it anyway. Right. Mm -hmm. And their choice was to devise and implement this covert plan to evade these disposal fees by sending the women home. And for 24 years, they've been choosing to violate all laws and state regulations. They, the abortion, they, the abortion, the abortion industry. Okay. The abortion industry in collusion with, you know, we don't know. Are they in collusion with the water companies? We're finding that out. We're tracking down. Because we find the babies. You see it in the newspaper. The babies are stuck in pipes at apartment buildings in Mission, uh, Texas. It's constantly on the news about babies that are found in toilets. They put babies in that can't flush down. That's a little older than 10 weeks. So the abuse of this covert plan is what is beyond horrific. And uh, these, we want to think that medical, uh, excuse me, sewer systems, domestic sewer systems and wastewater plants are not designed to process babies, right? Or placentas or prions. Those are, those are prohibited uh, discharges mm -hmm. in most, most city ordinances, right? Mm -hmm. So again, we talked about, you know, the three Ps. And so when we follow the flush, See, for decades, the engineers and state authorities, legislators, environmentalists, they've all conscientiously been designing these elaborate reusable water systems, especially in California and Florida, so that they can serve the needs in the community and at the same time safeguard the intricate ecosystems, wildlife, habitat, uh, natural waterways, and for decades, the abortion industry has been used, utilizing these same public sewer systems and wastewater plants as their private medical waste dumps. Hmm. Yeah. And are, are there any uh, 
people that have sued, uh, for instance, uh, the wastewater treatment community uh, out there? And well, <laughs> this is the thing, Brendan. I thought people knew, and they just don't know. So that's my awareness project. I'm just going to start doing things like this, which I appreciate so much, so that people can learn about it. And yeah, we have to start tracking it down. In Florida, there's some laws that we are gonna ask that they impose right away because they're already there. Hopefully California will, um, it's a pretty tough state to have authorities enforce against any abortion industry or part of it. They call it discretionary non-enforcement. Who's that, right. California or Florida? Um, uh, federal authorities, they call, typically. Yeah. What, what do they call it again? So when they weren't enforcing the um, term limit, the gestational term limit on the drugs or the distribution or the mail order or now pharmacies, they're calling it discretionary non-enforcement. Hmm. Yeah, so, right, yeah. I see. You know, that's who we have to deal with, with some authorities that don't consider babies humans and um, will not consider this. So, And um, so we've got about five minutes left. Uh, oh, okay. What about uh -huh. protecting your posterity? What is that? So I think that that's we as citizens of the United States, right? In our Constitution, uh, the preamble, the last sentence says that we are to secure the blessings of liberty upon ourselves and our posterity, which are these children. Mm -hmm. So actually we are allowing the future of America to be flushed down a toilet. Mm -hmm. And it's our responsibility as citizens to protect the, our posterity, our future generations. So we could look at that. But the biggest thing is, is that these systems, wastewater comes out, what goes in comes out in biosolids, which are fertilizers that we use in bags at Lowe's or Home Depot. I don't want to pick on anyone. But also the effluent goes into our waterways. And this is where the phosphorus and the nitrogen get out of balance and that's a whole another you know layer of this, which if maybe I could come on and we could take it to the next level. But the most important thing I think, Brendan, is to remember that these children are created in the image and likeness of God, mm -hmm. and that we need to make sure we may not be able to stop abortion yet, but until that day, we need to protect them from being so desecrated, mm -hmm. and protect the dignity of these women who are sent home alone. It's, it's a horrific thing that's been covert. It's been under the radar for a while, and I'm so grateful for all of those that are bringing it up to, you know, into the mainstream again, yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, are there other champions? I know you've been researching this topic, and, and you're certainly an advocate uh, of good wastewater. Uh, are there others that have uh, joined you in this battle or are hoping to join you in this battle? Well, stud Students for Life uh, have a project going looking more at the metabolites in the drugs um, mm -hmm. that are being expelled. You know, we, we know about the hormonal imbalances from contraceptions. 
And now these particular mifepristone and misoprostol have metabolites that do not get absorbed by the human body. And also the way some of these drugs are used, which is vaginally, 80% of them can go right into the water. And, and what happens with water, wastewater, is that the sanitary workers will say, oh, the solution to pollution is dilution, right? Mm. It's just a little bit in a big pool. Well, the problem with contamination mm -hmm. is that it's detrimental. It's, it's, they call it exponential. A very small infectious particle can pollute an entire ecosystem mm. and then spread from there. So the FDA was, should, needs to be, should have looked into this in their environmental assessment, and they signed off on it. Mm -hmm. Are we drinking this water then? Uh, as far as is it potable? Uh, how, how would you how would you claim so, it? Right. Some some water is becoming potable, and that's why we want to stop this mm. now. It's been going right. on for twenty four years. I see. Yeah, I know. Out west, uh, I lived in L.A. for seventeen years, and um, water is a, a huge issue out west, the western states, and. Um, uh, potability is drinkability is <laughs> very important. Um, right. How can folks? Uh, you have a quote here from Deuteronomy. That uh, and why do you think it's apropos? Well, we talk about if we don't stop the evil. So if we don't stop this, then the evil ones will force feed us. They call in Deuteronomy the fruit of our own wombs, mm -hmm. our own daughters and sons. And I do believe that because we're finding nanoplastics, PFAS in our drinking water, I do believe that we will be finding fetal remains, mm -hmm. residual tissues mm -hmm. wow. as well. That's really something. Well, Teresa, I want to thank you very much for coming on the show. Um, I did want to ask you one other quote, uh, Genesis 4.10. What, what is that about? Well, that's, the, that's what we named the, proj the project. Because when I saw the sign irrigated with reclaimed water, what came to my heart was when the Lord asks Cain about, he says, listen, what have you done? And mm -hmm. the blood, the voice of your brother's blood is calling out to me from the ground mm -hmm. when he killed his brother. And that's what's happening here mm -hmm. is, you know, reclaimed water is irrigation. The, the baby's residual remains are all over. Wow, that's really something. Well, folks, uh, we hope you found today's show to be unique, informative, content-rich, truthful, and thought-provoking. Thanks for watching. I'm Brendan O'Connell, your friend for life. The preceding commentary does not necessarily reflect the views of the staff and management of WBCA or the Boston Neighborhood Network. If you would like to express another opinion, you can address your comments to Boston Neighborhood Network. 3025 Washington Street, Boston, Massachusetts, 02119. To arrange a time for your own commentary, you can call WBCA at 617-708-3215.
or email radio at bnnmedia.org.